call morality or right and wrong. You could have chosen something easier and less important to think about. And you want to think about ethics in the company of the great philosophers of the past. You chose this series on the history of ethics. You want to think for yourself, but you don't want to think by yourself. You want to join the great conversation. If I have your mental profile right, welcome. I shall try to supply what you are looking for. Within these parameters, let's be more specific about the scope and purpose of these lectures. I want to focus on the big questions in ethics, not the little ones. When I try to remember what I learned at Calvin College and Yale University and Fordham University and the University of Pennsylvania, when I remember the half dozen really great teachers I've had, when I ask what I am grateful to them for, I do not come up with hundreds of little ideas, but with just a few big ones. And when I turn my attention to the thousands of books I've read, I come up with the same result. A few great books are worth much more than thousands of little ones. I agree with William James, the American philosopher who divided philosophical questions into big ones and little ones, or as he called them, live issues and dead issues. Live issues are questions that make a difference in our life. Those are the big questions. Does life have a real objective meaning and goal and purpose and design? That's a big question. Are we basically good or evil? Are we free or determined? Is there a God? Is there a life after death? Those are all big questions, live issues, questions that make a big difference to our lives, to everything in our lives, and certainly to our reasons for being moral. Unfortunately, most ethics courses today do not have that focus. They're usually more like law school case studies. They usually do a good job in prodding you to think about how to apply principles to cases, but they don't usually explore the foundations for those principles. What they do seems very interesting at first, arguing about whether a given war was a just one, or whether cloning, or abortion, or surrogate motherhood, or homosexual marriage should be allowed, or about the conflict of rights between developers and environmentalists, or between police and suspects. Well, that's a legitimate part of ethics, but I don't think it's the most important part, and in the end, not even the most interesting part even though at the beginning it may seem to be. All those questions are examples of what we could call arguing forward, from principles to applications. The technical name for that in ethics is casuistry. That's a perfectly good and legitimate thing, although the word casuistry has acquired the misleading connotation of something dishonest or hypocritical, or at least inhumanely legalistic today. But I want to focus on the opposite mental process, which we could call arguing backward, exploring the foundations for our principles. We find surprisingly little disagreement about ethical principles. Almost no one defends injustice, cruelty, stupidity, slavery, murder, selfishness, cowardice, addiction, despair, hatred, or arbitrariness, and almost no one attacks justice, kindness, wisdom, freedom, respect for human life, peace, courage, self-control, hope, unselfish love, or reason. The disagreements come in two places. 
when we try to apply these principles or values to complex situations, that's casuistry, and when we try to ground them or justify them or explain them to explore their foundations. To do casuistry, to argue forward, you don't focus much on history because you are looking forward, looking at the future. But to do the second thing, to think backwards, to explore the foundations of the ethical principles, we find the history of ethics is very helpful. To see that, make a little thought experiment with me. Suppose that a dozen of the wisest thinkers who have ever lived were alive today. Solomon, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, Augustine, Aquinas, Descartes, Pascal, Kant, Kierkegaard, Nietzsche, Buddha. Wouldn't we want to listen to them and dialogue with them and insert them into our thought lives, into our conversation? Of course we would.